Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. I think I've just also had to be very proactive in slacking people, asking open-ended questions, really doing even more exploratory research because I haven't been able just to eavesdrop, if you will, on what's going on with those around me. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. And today... We're joined by Megan James, who I believe has around 10 years experience in the sales ops game, recently joined Knock as the director of sales ops. So Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I really appreciate it. Amazing. So the first thing I want to understand is how did you initially transition into the world of sales operations? Well, like many folks, especially back in the day before it was a common career path, uh, I started out in sales and was actually a lead gen specialist. So uh, what is now known as SDR world, I did a lot of lead qualification and hunting Mm. and cold calling and all those fun things, Um, but realized I liked the data and the process side more of it. And when they asked me to try to start closing business, I realized very quickly that was not my forte. Mm -hmm. It made me very uncomfortable and I took it very personal when people would tell me no. So luckily, sales operations and Salesforce, nobody was managing at the time. And I just started to work on it more and more and then proved out a use case for why that should be a role. And at which business was, was this when you made that transition? So it was called the Platform for Media yeah. while I worked for them. It was a Comcast technology solution. Awesome. And how many FDRs and reps were there when you kind of made that move over? So shockingly, there was no SDR role at the time, um, but we had roughly 10 account executives. Awesome. And there was no one there to responsible for them, apart from no, the sales there- manager, I guess. No, we had a VP of sales and marketing and then a VP of sales directly for inside sales. Um, and those two gentlemen kind of steered the ship for what they thought the data should be, but nobody was really owning the processor system at the time. And so did you then 
like what came first? Did you learn about sales operations or did you say there's definitely a need for someone to help out here? And then like, was I clear with that? Like, did you, did someone else tell you about this thing? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. It wasn't, I wasn't even sales operations. I don't Mm. think back then, honestly, it was a Salesforce administrator is how I really fell into it. So we had this tool, you know, a CRM that was this beast and you kept seeing all these things that it could do, but nobody was Mm. doing them at that company. Um, So it really was more focused on Salesforce administration and how do I learn this tool properly and what are my resources Uh, really leaning on the Salesforce platform at the time and then growing it out to realize, okay, well, you have marketing that plugs into it and you have legal that can plug into it. And how do we then use it for professional services and bidding quotes? And so it just became a much larger operational uh, function at the company once we realized how it all kind of interconnected. Amazing. And it's, it's just great for Salesforce. This is unrelated. But Salesforce as a business, how they can they like put the software in the middle of the business and connect everything else to it. And so it's almost impossible to come to get, move away. Oh, uh, it's, entirely. Just, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's a very smart business for them. And it also has turned into a very uh, wonderful, lucrative career path for myself because when Amazing. you of course, and you feel really comfortable with it and understand mm. how it can impact all those businesses, you've set yourself up for a wonderful career. Exactly. For as long as Salesforce lasts, and it, but it doesn't seem that Salesforce is going away anytime soon. Nope. They're just getting stickier and stickier with every yeah. acquisition they make. So it's exactly. great. Amazing. So then focusing on today and Knock, I know you've only been there a few months, but could um, you just give the audience a context of the, the size of the sales team and also uh, the amount of ops people supporting them? Yeah, so I've, this is week six. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's been fun. I am actually the only sales operations uh, gal at the moment. So I was brought in um, really to kind of level set and streamline some things. And, you know, obviously with hopes that we grow out a whole team in 2021, uh, once the pandemic slows itself down, hopefully. Um, the sales organization as a whole, we have three SDRs and uh, 15 account executives, and then another dozen or so client success managers. So in my world, those are all the different teams I support. Amazing. So you are essentially doing, you could say, support ops as well, The because you have the support reps there. Yes. So you are supporting. Amazing. And yeah. you, you are the, you're also a Salesforce administrator. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of that multitasker. I think sales operations nowadays uh, pushes more into a concept of business operations and supporting anything that's a revenue driving function, whether it's mm-hmm. you know support all the way up to closing net new business. Yeah, amazing. So let's now talk about the last few months, well, actually the last six weeks. And so I assume you actually joined Knock when the team was more remote than they normally are. Yes. Oh, entirely. Yep. And we are fully remote until the end of the year. Oh, amazing. And so comparing that to to previous roles where you've been more in person, how is that changing your sales ops role? It's been pretty interesting. I actually will have to say, I think the best onboarding experience I've had at a company has happened right now. Interesting. And why? How is that? Yeah, Yeah. it's entirely um, you're forced 
to have set meetings to bring you up to speed versus I think a lot of times when you start at an organization, there's just this assumption that you're there, you're Mm -hmm. at your desk, people will grab you when it's appropriate versus for Knock, the full first week, I was pretty much scheduled in an onboarding meeting from nine to three every day. Yeah. So more structure. Very, very much more structure. And because it's there and it's top of mind and you're in all these calls, uh, it's almost kept up that cadence to where I've been in part of uh, a lot of really diligent meetings, thorough meetings. People feel the need to show up because we're all remote. Uh, Mm. It's just been a very productive and positive experience. That's super interesting because I haven't heard anybody say that onboarding has been better at a remote business, but it kind of makes sense why it would be. Um, and it seems like knock have just, or they have this onboarding process like honed down. Um, what's the total size of the business in, in terms of employees? Uh, we're just over a hundred right now. Interesting. So it's not like there's been 50 hires since the, well, I assume no. since things have gone remote. So I, I guess you have a really, really effective, uh, HR function. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nicole is killing it. <laughs> Shout out to Nicole. Um, okay, cool. And then from a, a sales off standpoint, is there anything different? Like, have you made any changes to weigh? Oh, it, it, it might not be relevant because obviously you're probably just in week six, you're still trying to understand what's going on. Or normally that's what happens when I join a new company. Um, but can you see any ways that you as a sale, like your sales off function is going to have to operate differently? Uh, because we are remote? Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say operate differently. I think I've just also had to be very proactive in slacking people, asking open-ended questions, really doing even more exploratory research because I haven't been able just to eavesdrop, if you will, on what's going on with those around me. So the one difference is normally I would sit next to sellers. I would sit next to SDRs. Mm. And even if I'm not on the phone call to hear the other end of the conversation, you know, I can hear from my perspective, how does that demo go? How do those discovery calls go? What does it look like when we're negotiating an agreement? Um, that stuff I have not been able to do. So I've had to proactively, you know, kind of do some more digging on my own, find out where our holes are, uh, and then how we're going to go about fixing them. And really, the bigger conversation that continually happens is just what's the priority for the company as a whole, um, knowing that we're, you know, in pandemic season, but we've also have uh, goals of new business like everybody else. We mm. have goals of expanding into current customers and uh, where should I put my time and energy to have the greatest impact? Yeah. On that, on the goals and the forecasting topic, do you know if the how, if and how the forecast has been affected during the pandemic? Uh, you know, actually, we are a very fortunate organization and what we support, um, multifamily property management, it's one of those tools that's had to pivot because of the pandemic and actually yeah. our tools assist with that remote requirement. So we, we fortunately haven't seen that big of a dip in business and therefore mm-hmm. forecasting, yeah, it's become a little bit more crucial, but I think it's actually become more accurate because our tools become more of a necessity. Interesting. So you're saying that the reps are able to give a more accurate estimation of whether a deal will close since the pandemic because more deals are closing. Yes. Is that accurate? Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of understand this. Like almost all SaaS companies or SaaS products, sorry, are, or it's like bullish to be in SaaS at the moment because the, the products by definition don't uh, like are not to do with in-person stuff and they're storing data remotely. And so like not being able to see people in person is sometimes if advantageous to have the data elsewhere, e.g. the SaaS product. So makes total sense. On the, the forecasting side, could you just roughly outline the forecasting process at, at NOC if, if you've got into that uh, yet? You know, I've only gotten into it in the fact that we need to do some improvements and mm. just how it is done. Right now, it's a pretty manual process. We are using Salesforce opportunities and we're doing best commit and, um, you know, probabilities and all of that fun stuff. Unfortunately, right now, of course, it's getting exported and manipulated in a spreadsheet. So that's part of what my Q4 goal is to change it to where we're using Salesforce's standard forecasting option. Um, and especially after seeing the winter release that they're doing some improvements to it and what you can modify and adding mm-hmm. in some custom fields. So I'm pretty excited about rolling that out after the winter release next month. Yeah. So did you like jump in like doing like doing a walkthrough with someone and you saw the person like exporting the spreadsheet and were you like horrified? You're like, we we have to do this through Salesforce. Is that how that came about? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Not even seeing the export, but just knowing. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask uh, leadership, you know, what are they doing in their one-on-ones? How are mm. they managing to expectations? And um, of course, my... My end goal is to have everything live in Salesforce and also uh, everything be as automated as possible. So anytime you're using multiple data sources and are manipulating it manually uh, without having a direct sync between the data, it, it's a cause for concern because there's going to be error. We're all human, right? Yeah. And it's not as transparent as you'd like. It's not as reliable as you'd like. Like I can't see history tracking. Um, I might not even know that spreadsheet exists, right? Yeah. So. From my perspective, um, I wouldn't say quite horrified, but yeah. definitely something I've seen before and something that I always want to fix as quickly as possible when starting mm. at a company. Uh, you are preaching to the choir. Just yesterday, um, me and my fiance are getting married, right? So we had the wedding spreadsheet. And yep. so we sat there going through the spreadsheet and I have my laptop out. She has her laptop out. <laughs> she has the spreadsheet not a, not a Google Doc, but just a spreadsheet in Excel on a computer. And I'm like, okay, so what? So what, how are we going to do this? <laughs> and then, of course, we put it in Drive. Um, yep. But I, it, well, I totally it's agree. It's pretty great, but it's not great enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Even Google Sheet. Maybe I should I should sign up for Salesforce and use that for the wedding. What do you think? <laughs> it might be a little overkill, but you never know. <laughs> you found a new business path for them. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they move into that. And no, anyway, they're there B two B. Okay, awesome. So that's the forecasting process. Now I like to talk about KPIs, and I'd actually like to switch this up over the over your whole career. I think it's a decade. Correct me if I'm wrong, Megan. But which sales metric would you say is your favorite? Which gives you the most value as a sales ops professional? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, which metric would be my favorite? Honestly, I kind of really like top of the funnel. Um, overall, I would say lead conversion into opportunity because it's, it's, I would say, one, it touches the most teams. So it's an interesting thing to see. Um, there's also a lot that you can automate around it now with marketing automation, right? So seeing, you know, what nurture paths, what campaigns, whether you're using Marketo or Pardot or HubSpot, whatever tool, um, it's it's an interesting to see 
the impact of the tool set along with the human interaction for how that lead conversion works into your pipeline. Yeah, makes sense. And has that, do you think that metric is going to be less or more important now, like with the virus and knock? I kind of sense the answer is going to be no because of what we discussed earlier about actually the forecasting being more accurate now. But uh, do I think it would be less or more important? I think it's yeah. always really important because um, mm. to fill your forecast and your pipeline, right, you need really large top of the funnel and you need to set up that process. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily say, I guess, more important, but it's mm. that's the number two priority probably right now at NOC as I'm working with the VP of marketing and the SDRs to try to figure out how do we set up that inbound flow to have a mm. really strong funnel? Yeah, interesting. It's it's interesting to understand. Well, I, actually, you mentioned at the start of this interview that your remit is broader than just sales, right? And that's why you're jumping into those conversations. Yeah, I maybe it's good or bad, but I like to keep my hand in all the cookie jars. So <laughs> they all interconnect, right? It isn't just sales operations. Sure. Like it's really. I think it truly has become a larger function than just sales. And those who want to, uh, I would say, grow into leadership positions, like a director of sales ops or VP of operations, you need to understand how the end-to-end operation flow goes. Yeah. And hence also the trend towards revenue operations, because it kind of sounds like your role really is, is revenue operations. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, and actually, I would say that's even what um, the title was for the job listing that I accepted. So mm. originally, it was going to be a director of revenue operations. Right now, just with what we have uh, set up, it is more of a sales operations. But that's always kind of my goal is to push towards revenue and business because I think that's where the industry as a whole is going. Totally agree. Amazing. So let's now move on to the two most important questions. So who today has, has taught you the most uh, throughout your career about sales operations? Oh, about sales operations? Well, no, actually, we, 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 we can broaden it out. Like, it'd be good to have uh, some variation. Yeah, you know, I would say there's two. So I had a former uh, CFO named Layla, uh, and she was, I would say, crucial in helping me understand SaaS business as a whole, which... Is I mean, obviously, that's the industry I'm in, but that directly uh, helped me understand revenue recognition and how forecasting and contracts and all of that plays into what, you know, a SaaS business needs in order to go public or present to the board properly. And, you know, some of those larger goals that we all have for the companies that we join. Um, And then I would say, honestly, um, there's a Salesforce, I don't even know what you call him, a super user, trailblazer. Mm, yeah. And you've, I'm going to say it's Molis, but I could be getting his name wrong because I've never actually met him in person. But I know every time I have any sort of sales operations question from a functional standpoint of utilizing tools, I can post it in Trailblazer and almost always he's going to comment. And whatever he mm. comments is going to be exactly what I need. What a legend. And so, what did you, your, your attempt at his name, just so we can give him a shout out? Yeah, it's Steve Mollis. It's M-O-L-I-S. Like I can Am- picture it in my brain, but I don't know if that's how you say it or not. Amazing. I mean, Steve probably isn't listening because he's probably on the Trailblazer forums, but shout out to Steve. 
yes, huge shout out for... He's helped so many people. You can just tell if you go back even beyond 10 years, he has postings from forever ago. Wow. And so the next question, you may have actually already given the answer, but maybe not. Who is the the sales or revenue ops ninja that you'd like to take for lunch? Now, would that be Steve or or would that be someone else? Yeah, you know, honestly, it probably would be Steve. (laughs) I'd like to pick his brain for where he thinks it's going because he's seen everything evolve so much. Um, and And I would say, you know, he's been one of those crucial people for clicks, not code helping all the rest of us mm. out that, you know, tech-savvy developers still be able to build a whole career. And do you, you think that Steve has a... He's not... He doesn't work for Salesforce, right? He, he does this and then he volunteers on the forums. Yeah, what? I'm pretty sure... Like, maybe he even has his own consulting. I don't know for sure. Mm, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm pretty positive he doesn't work direct for Salesforce. Makes sense. Yeah, it, like again, this episode is almost like the Salesforce sales pitch. But what they are also amazing at doing is building this like cultish following of people who just who just love the tool and will go onto the forums to to help strangers yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so I think this episode has been brought to you by Sales. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> it truly is. I mean, honestly, I had this conversation the other day with our VP of marketing, Justin. Uh, Nock was using a different CRM prior. And once mm. you get onto it, it's it's pretty understandable why they've built the beast they've built. Yeah. Amazing. Megan, it's been a super interesting discussion uh, to understand broadly about the sales role and also how the Salesforce part connects into that. Um, and so... I, I think the majority of guests we we have on do use Salesforce, and I assume the majority of the listeners do as well. So um, I, th- I think this has been really valuable for them. So Megan, thank you so much for for coming on. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really had fun talking with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com. 